The following is a production of Different Brains. Visit us at differentbrains.org. Hi, I'm Dr. Hacky Reitman. Welcome to another episode of Exploring Different Brains. Today, we're very lucky to have self-advocate and neurodiverse communication specialist, Tim Goldstein with us. Tim, welcome to Exploring Different Brains. Hey, I'm certainly glad to be here. Uh, you know, from having read everything you've done, uh, I'm really excited to actually have a chance to finally talk with you. How are things going out there in Colorado? Well, you know, Colorado specifically, we're, we're doing, compared to, I think, overall in the country, we're doing fairly well right now. Uh, you know, our forest fires aren't threatening major metropolitan areas, uh, which is good. And, uh, you know, COVID-wise, we're in fair shape compared to some states. So, uh, you know, what can you say? It's vacation haven out here. Uh, Colorado is always a great place. <laughs> now, explain to our audience, because this is a new term to me, all right? A neurodiverse communication specialist. It's actually, uh, again, much like, you know, many things with autistic individuals, it's very literal, uh, to be honest with you. So obviously neurodiverse, meaning we're talking about people that think all different kinds of ways. And communication, you know, obviously, you know, that pretty straightforward. And specialist, meaning uh, what I help is people who think in different ways to understand and communicate with each other uh, effectively. And you're, you've trademarked the term cloud neurodiversity. Can you expound upon that? Yeah. You know, the, there's the concept of neurodiversity, of course, that uh, Judy Singer in Australia came up with. And, you know, she had mentioned it. Basically, it was a brief mention in her thesis paper. I mean, the paper wasn't about it. It was just something along the way that she mentioned in it. And the term neurodiversity certainly has caught on and, you know, kind of leading this whole movement towards people who think different of just being different thinkers, not being broken humans. Um, but the problem that I was running into is, first off, as you go and look at it uh, internationally, different regions seem to use a little bit different terms in different places. So we don't have a consistency in, in how we explain it all. Um, the other problem is, is uh, of course, Judy was writing this for a thesis paper. It was written in an academic terminology, which is sometimes difficult for general populace to approach when it's a very academic thesis. So I went through and really took what she said because the, the concept of thinking differently, just meaning you think differently, not that there's anything wrong with you, uh, is a very strong concept. But what I saw was it was challenging to explain to people Different people would call the same things different words. And a lot of the words were somewhat challenging to approach and understand unless you were in the field. So I went and uh, created essentially what I would say is the uh, marketing version of Judy's concept of neurodiversity. Um, and that's what I, you know, trademarked under the, the NeuroCloud concept of making it a very simple, very easy way to explain neurodiversity that anybody should be able to walk away and say, oh, I, I get the idea. Uh, maybe not the details. You know, it's not a, a PhD course. The idea is just to open their mind that there's more out there than maybe they were thinking about. 
and that's it. It's just really a, a very simplified, easy to convey way that uh, I can convey in uh, graphics with pictorials so people can pick up on it easier. What a novel idea it is to, uh, to keep things simple, you know? You know, that is one of the things, of course, uh, I'm sure you're aware, I didn't recall, of course, a lot of the listeners probably are aware that as an autistic individual, and I fall under what would have been called Asperger's back, you know, before we had ASD, um, it's not unusual for us to want to explain things, and I wouldn't say a complex way, but in a very detailed and thorough way, which for a lot of people means complex, because they really didn't know on and know all of that about it, you know, that when they asked you at the party, what do you do for work? They really didn't want to know everything you do at work. They just wanted to know I'm a computer programmer. That, that was it. Uh, and fortunately, I have a business background with marketing. So I recognize that to communicate, you've got to put it at the level that people can relate. Uh, and that was really the idea of that whole WorldCloud concept is a, a real easily relatable concept instead of it being in these academic words that nobody knows what they mean. I mean, what does neurodivergent mean? It sounds like I'm going to get a disease from it. So <laughs> I replaced it with neurodistinct because everybody wants to be distinct. And guess what? You can say neurodistinct and everybody gets that right away. Oh, they think different, distinctly different than everybody else. Wow, I get that. But neurodivergent? Ooh, do I need a mask? Is it dangerous? <laughs> <laughs> you might get cooties from it. We don't exactly. Know. So again, just from you know marketing, you know, don't use words that sound bad that people don't understand because that's not going to bolster your message. So make it easy to digest was the whole purpose. Now you were diagnosed uh, midlife. Uh, well, I guess we call it midlife now. Uh, once upon a time, they would have called that in old age, I think. Um, I, I was diagnosed at 54 uh, and uh, 60 now, so six years down the road. Okay. What were your previous diagnoses, if any? What were your previous labels, if any? I, I, <laughs> I don't know if this is appropriate to say on here, but, uh, uh, you know, it starts with an A and uh, it goes synonymous with jerk. Um, that was the, the most common label that was being applied by the uh, non-medical community. And in the medical community, I had nothing to do with it. I didn't think there was anything wrong with me. Um, the rest of the world was stupid. That was the problem. <laughs> the rest of the world was stupid. Very, very well said. Um, <laughs> Tell us what a certified high performance coach and certified master presenter means. Well, two totally different things and uh, very interesting how they fit into my whole path in doing this kind of stuff. Um, a certified high performance coach is it's a particular type of, um, of coaching to help people, you know, perform and do better. Um, but it's also probably the most academically researched type of coaching that's out there now with actual proven studies that as you increase somebody's ability in the instrument they use to measure through the coaching, uh, that their actual job performance increases. Uh, so high performance coaching is um, just a, uh, a methodology to help people really overcome the challenges they have to get to where they want to go but not focusing on it from a psychology standpoint or whatever, focusing on from a practical of Okay, if you're in Florida today and you want to get to Colorado, let's start with getting you in your car. Uh, 
you know, again, it's a very practical approach to doing it, not a let's spend three years trying to figure out why. Let's just figure out what to do now and why we'll probably yeah, come. You know, when I, when I wrote the Asper Tools book, I made the analogy that, you know, I'm, I'm careful to warn people. It's not an academic thing. It's just kind of tools that help, you know, in a layman's point of view. And, right. Uh, no. And that's very much what this uh, is, is they teach very much in this style of coaching of, uh, first off, push people. I mean, you got to push until you get a reaction because that's why people want to be coached, to have something change. Uh, so it is a very high performance. If you're not the kind of individual that wants to you know, be a high achiever, it's probably not going to fit you because you probably won't like it. Um, the other part, though, that you asked about, the uh, what is this? The... Uh, what's it called? Ma certified master presenter yeah. uh, or a master presenter. That actually is a, one of the things that I think has made a huge, huge difference in my ability to communicate with individuals compared to before I did that studying. So I'll kind of back into what it is. We'll kind of by what it does and then we'll get to what it is. Uh, prior to doing this training with the master presenter, I spoke like a lot of autistic individuals in that I was extremely monotone. I went really, really fast. I didn't use commas. I didn't use periods. And if you couldn't keep up with me, oh, well, that was your problem. I just kept on right through, which we all know is fairly common amongst, uh, you know, particularly the autistic individuals and other, you know, distinct individuals too. Uh, but it's also not very effective in communication. So what I went and did is uh, I went and studied with the best vocal coach in the world. And he comes out of a musical background. So his Who concept. That, Who is that? His name is Roger Love. And Roger Love's in Hollywood. And uh, to just give you an idea, he, like I say he comes from a singing background. Uh, some of his current uh, you know, rank of artists are Selena Gomez and Maroon 5 and Eminem. Um, Michael Jackson used to be one of his students and going back to more you're in my, you know, errors, Earth, Wind and Fire, Journey, Chicago, Beach Boys. I mean, he's taught wow. them all. He's toured with them. Um, and then he also does quite a bit with uh, film in Hollywood. Uh, for instance, the uh, Walk the Line movie about uh, Johnny Cash and June Carter Cash, uh, which was Joaquin Phoenix and Reese Witherspoon. They did not know how to sing. Uh, what, what Roger said was, Reese could get through bir happy birthday barely, and Joaquin, mm -mm, not even happy birthday. <laughs> and he had three weeks to get that whole soundtrack, and that soundtrack is those two people actually singing. Wow. So when I say he is the best, I'm not joking that just, you know, he really honestly is the best. And he taught me something that I refer to as emotional speaking. He doesn't call it that, but uh, the way he puts it is, what I need to teach you, Tim, is how to put emotion into every word you say so that the people on the other end feel it instead of just hearing it. And as an autistic individual, that is a little bit challenging because I don't know what that right thing is. But by using his techniques, which are based off of singing, I mean, we know in singing, you can hear a melody in the background and you barely hear it, but it affects you. It affects your mood. So his point is, why can't you just mix those singings, those melodies, those tonalities into your speaking voice? And suddenly people don't even know why they're being drawn to you. But the reality is you're singing a song to them while you're talking. 
And that's what a master presenter is, is somebody who trains with him long enough that uh, he finally actually says, you're accomplished. <laughs> Get out there, do it. <laughs> that's it's so interesting. I, you know, after this interview, I want to look him up because I'm ignorant. I had not heard of him or was not aware of him. And he sounds fascinating. Uh, absolutely fascinating. And as I said, as an autistic individual, that communication piece, that flat affect, no emotion, so often leads people wrong because in my mind, neurotypicals are expecting those three channels. They expect tonality in your voice. They expect to see body or facial, you know, type presentations, meaning and coloring your words. So the problem is, is now I know how to color them <laughs> before I didn't. You're in color, you're not black and white, but you know, that, that may be a good explanation I've never heard articulated uh, or thought of before by why people wrongly assume that an autistic individual is not empathetic. Well, you, you hit a very good point, and I think there's multiple threads to that. One, I, I, you're 100% you nailed it. We don't come across as being empathetic because we don't have suddenly the, oh, I feel so bad. That is just terrible that that happened to you. Well, I know how to do it because I've been trained how to do it, but that is not just naturally that I would do that. I'm doing that through. Like the phony, you're being a phony when you do it? No, not at all. What I'm really doing is I'm now using essentially the techniques of a voice actor to convey the message I want to convey that neurotypicals do automatically, but well, in somebody who's autistic, you don't have that connection unless you learn to implement it yourself. You come at this from um, such a different angle, because uh, the way I've started looking at things is, again, from a layman's perspective, you know, kind of, is different brains is... I wanted everything under one roof, neurological, developmental, mental health issues, because you can't have, for instance, autism without some anxiety and a little bit of depression. Or, and, or a lot bit of both. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and I'm just starting to look at things that we all have, for lack of a better term, I'll call them spectrum traits. And some I, of us have more and some have less. How would I'm you... going to change that for you. I, I got to interrupt you and change that one for you. There is no such thing as autism traits. There is no such thing as spectrum traits. There is no such thing as ADHD traits because we can go find neurotypicals that display every one of those traits. Not maybe all together in one combo, but we can find a, you know, an individual that just can't get organized like an ADHD person. Maybe, maybe they don't have the rest of the traits which proves it's a human trait. We just might have them at a higher level, but we're never talking about, and I think that's one of the things we gotta, we've gotta get people to start thinking about it. Yeah. it this isn't an autism trait you're looking at. Right. This is a, this human, is a trait. human trait. That and I have a high level or a low level maybe. <laughs> yeah, no, that is very- but If we approach it from a human trait, we're now looking at it as, okay, we recognize that even in neurotypicals, that trait does have a range of, you know, what it is. Now, I might be a beyond that range on the plus or minus, but that doesn't turn it into an osmotism trait. It's still a human trait. I just may have a little bit more of it. This individual is showing the, a group of these traits that we need to, to work with. 
Uh, not that that means that they're autistic. Who cares what it means? It means that these are the challenges. So I actually talk about it a lot but through a, a concept I call um, interactional alignment. Ooh. And on my blog, there's a, there's a whole little uh, instrument. People can go take the test and get their own results back. Uh, and it's completely private. You get a secret code. And without that secret code, nobody can figure, even find your stuff ever again. Um, but the idea with interactional alignment is if you're going to put a person in a particular situation, and the job I do is a very public-facing job. I work in professional services, and I train everything from you know, technical people through CEOs. Uh, so if you're going to put somebody into that type of environment where they have to interface a huge amount you know, with the outside the organization, then you want to have certain alignment. You want them to be able to speak in real time. Well, we know some autistic individuals and other neuro, you know, distinct individuals have challenges that they've got to kind of process a little bit before they can respond. Not that they don't respond with a phenomenal response if you just give them that little bit of time, um, but people, you know, kind of mark you off, they mark you down on that one. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's just so important that people look at it as being human traits and how do we get this human trait to be within a range that is considered normal not we have to get rid of this autistic trait no no, no. it's just it's a human trait we just need to back it down maybe or, or you know if it's the social interaction part we maybe need to bump it up just a little uh, so it's different traits so that if we were had a basketball team the trait of being extra tall would be good exactly and that's what we're trying to say is it's not you know, it's not that uh, because I'm autistic that I'm broken because I have challenges in social situations, which I do. I do have challenges in social situations. But what do I bring to the table that somebody else doesn't bring to the table? And, you know, what I bring is uh, I, I do data as my specialty, data work, uh, business uh, data warehouses, business intelligence, data analysis. Um, so I tend to see patterns. What advice would you have for those of us in the audience whose brains are a little bit different? We have one piece of advice to them. The first piece of advice, or the main piece, I would say this is the biggest piece of advice, and it's going to be challenging for a lot of people, is anybody you talk to, you should say it. If that's who you are, let everybody know that's who you are. Stop hiding it. Uh, you know, when I went, when I was first diagnosed, I, and this was, this is probably not uncommon for anybody diagnosed once they're, you know, old enough to have a, a self-image. So probably like nine, 10, you know, on up. Uh, once you're diagnosed, uh, the, the general tendency at first is to uh, not accept the diagnosis. <laughs> no, I'm not autistic. No way in heck I'm autistic. <laughs> um, and, and then eventually you kind of slide into it and start realizing it, it does fit you and, and wear quite well, as a matter of fact, and explain a lot of the challenges that you've had over time. Um, I came to the conclusion about four years ago when I was finally uh, feeling comfortable enough of just, I didn't care who it was, they're just gonna hear about autism. That's what I came to the conclusion. And it's made a big turning point in my life. I, I virtually never have a conversation with anybody, and it can be the telemarketer on the phone even. They are going to hear about autism before I get off that phone. <laughs> they deserve it. 
Don't well, not only do they deserve it, but you know what's happened is when you say things, you bring up something autistic. So maybe I'm in a, a meeting that I've never been in. I'm going to speak and I'm going to say, hey, by the way, I'm autistic. So if I keep carrying on, just like interrupt me, I'll be fine. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm dropping the hint of letting them know, okay, this is, I, I may just like go on too long and I'm fine if you interrupt me and here's why I, I'm that way. It's amazing though, when you do that afterwards, how many people will come up and go, oh, I've got an autistic child. I know somebody with an autistic child. I, how can I help you with this? Uh, I'm autistic myself. Uh, so that's why I say you, you've got to, you got to say it. I mean, I guess it's a lot like being uh, LGBT back in, you know, the 60s. Yeah. It wasn't safe to say it, but until people got to the point where they could start saying it, it couldn't become normal, yeah. normalized. Uh, and that's almost where we are here. Nobody wants to stand up and, and in a conversation that's about, I'll give you an idea. This is a cra how crazy it gets. I, I'm buying a whole bunch of uh, crazy microbiology supplies because I decided I was going to learn synthetic biology because I think it's going to be a great career for autistic individuals down the road. Um, so yeah, I, I've been growing, you know, human and human kidney cells and, uh, you know, making uh, bacteria glow and doing all these, you know, microbiology type stuff at home. Uh, you can learn microbiology by yourself at any age. Uh, so at any rate, I'm dealing with this gentleman who's an hour and a half away, and he managed to pick up a lab that they were cleaning out. So there's a lot of like great deals and some pieces I'd love to have. Well, guess what? He got to hear about autism. Um, and do you know what his answer back in the email was? Can you tell me some more about this? This is really interesting. I've never had anybody say, I don't want to hear about that autism crap. So my experience has been, as long as you're comfortable with being identified that way, the amount of people and support you get by opening your mouth and saying that, you know, you're autistic and, and you know, work in that realm, the more help you get. Uh, the ones who don't open their mouth are the ones who are now going to get judged as being neurotypicals and then they're going to be considered defective neurotypicals because nobody stood up and said, no, I, that's not me. This is who I am. And we got a good sense of who Tim Goldstein is today. And I want to thank you for oh, this. You're more than welcome. This is great. This was great. You know, I, I've got to bring, bring up one thing that uh, real fast that uh, when I read your book, this is just one of those things that uh, you know, stuck with me and I'm going, to, uh, I'm going to give you an alternate explanation. I'm not saying it's the right explanation. I'm just going to give you an alternate one. And you had mentioned that uh, your daughter at times would take a while to, you know, respond sometimes and that, you know, because kind of her brain would process slow is kind of the way you would phrase it. Um, my alternate is no. The problem is, is, as autistic individuals, we build our world from details and from the, the minor facts we build up to a generalization versus most people start as a generalization and they work down to as deep as they need to get and then they stop. So I actually say when you run into a lot of autistic individuals and ask them a question and it takes them 20, 30 seconds to come back with a good response, they're trying to figure out all those details and how to put them in a way you might understand without making you feel like an idiot. That's what's taking so long, <laughs> is trying to condense all that knowledge down to a way I can deliver it, not that my brain isn't going fast. It's probably going three times as fast as anybody else. I'm just trying to process way more data to get down to, okay, I'm not going to tell you everything about business intelligence. I'm going to tell you this is the value it might have for what you're doing. What is the single biggest piece of advice you would give an employer 
about the neurodistinct individual? You know, the single biggest thing that I would tell an employer when they're neuro dealing with a uh, neurodistinct individual, and truthfully, this would be any individual, is don't deny the reality. I mean, what they experience is what they experience. And even if it's different than you, it's still their experience. So just say, I can see that, but maybe this is a better way. Because when you deny my reality, you push my hot button. Tim Goldstein, it's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. Well, thank you for having me and, uh, you know, helping me get the message out because you're, you're doing a great job in, uh, in getting the message that people are, uh, are different and that's normal. Exploring Different Brains is a production of Different Brains. Visit us at differentbrains.org.